Oh, welcome to another LP podcast. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus. We are—it's uh, been a while since we've we've done one of these. The Blackhawks were uh, in the Jack Hughes lottery, I think, the last time we had one of these, and now they're uh, probably going at least to the conference final. Is that what we're thinking here at this point? I mean, they make the playoffs at least. <laughs> I, I asked Kane this way: We're at the Blackhawks morning skate just finished uh, before the Senators game tonight, but um, I asked I asked Kane like I know that he watches you know watches Everything. a lot of hockey, <laughs> and that. Every night it's got to be like we need this team to lose, we need this team to lose, and they it all lose. Happening. They all lose. Like it's just it's it's incredible. Like he, he mentioned too, he's like you know probably 15, 20 days ago we probably would have said this is like our season well, was funny. done. You know, like Kane, we asked Kane about this. I don't remember where we were. Uh, I think it was me and maybe Jimmy Greenfield. We're uh, we're in a locker room somewhere, and we're just talking to Kane. Everything's awful. You know, what would it take? You know, are you still thinking about the place? He's like, well, Kane goes, well, we'd probably have to have a, you know a couple of ten game win streaks. A couple of ten-game yeah. win streaks. There was like thirty-five games left in the season. Well, he even mentioned that today too. He's like, I, you know, we thought this would take a lot more yeah. for us to happen. And I mean, when I, I think I talked to him. I don't even. I, I can't even tell you when I like all the stories blend together. But <laughs> like when it was, it was two or three weeks ago, where you know he basically said that you know it doesn't look good. And I mean, t- talking to Stan Bowman and. I was in Pittsburgh. Was that January? Where he's basically he wrote up the season. Yeah, like yeah. it's over. And and, and 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 I mean, the reality is that it it, it should have been over, right? right? Like it's it, it a lot of a lot of teams have had it. It's unbelievable and, how yeah. bad. I mean, let's just be honest and blunt about it. Oh, it is. The Western Conference is atrocious this year. Like, have you seen like the la- I was looking at the, the last ten games for every team. The Blackhawks are the only team from Minnesota on down that have more wins and losses in the last ten games, and most right. of them are, are very lopsided. Like, there, there was a stretch there where only the Kings and the Blackhawks, which were the, by far the two worst teams in the conference all season, were the only ones winning, and that's yeah. how you get this this ridiculously compressed. I mean, you look at this right now. Like right now. Uh, Minnesota's got the second wild card at 60 points through 59 games. They're on like an 84, 85 point pace, and they're in a playoff spot. What's incredible right now. is that St. Louis is elevated. So well, they're not even in the discussion. I yeah. did that story the other day about like just setting the stage and who's playing what. I didn't even include St. Louis. Yeah, like look at that team. That team is not in the same category that's crazy. as these teams. I, it's Minnesota is just completely soiling itself right now. I mean, yeah. Bruce Boudreaux's out there desperately guaranteeing the playoffs. I mean, anytime you hear that, you know it's over. I mean, they're just a disaster right now. I, I think the team I'm most surprised about is Colorado. Like, I knew Minnesota's Minnesota, right? Like, it does this often. Colorado's a team that I thought was legit. We keep thinking they're going to be pulling away. And they and like, we talked about this uh, uh, just a, earlier this morning about they've got, what, 11 overtime losses? Yeah. And that reminds me of the Predators in 2015-16, or 2016-17, excuse me, when the Blackhawks got swept by them. They had, like, 15 or something overtime losses. And overtime and shootouts is not hockey. Yeah. It's, it's complete coin flick, yeah. total crapshoot. So those teams are scary if they get into the playoffs, but you can miss the playoffs because of those coin yeah. flips that you lose. But look at this list right now. Who are the Blackhawks competing with? Vancouver. Does that scare you? Mm-hmm. I talked to our Vancouver writer, Jason Broff. He said, yeah, nobody here thinks they're going to make the playoffs. Arizona? Every single player they have is injured. Do they scare you? <laughs> Anaheim is just the worst team in hockey right now. Edmonton? They're not going anywhere. The Kings? They're awful. I mean, it's the Blackhawks and the Avalanche here because the Wild aren't going to hang on here. It's basically the Avalanche. When you worry about too, it's a lot of it's about schedule too. Where the, if the Blackhawks were facing the Blue Jackets and the Bruins like this past week, often then uh, you'd probably think that they had a very similar fate as other teams. But they've already faced a lot of the they tough competition. They had that ridiculous stretch in November and December. Where they had like 17 straight games against like elite, elite teams, yeah. and that's why they were so far down. And now they got this the soft underbelly of their schedule, and they're taking advantage every time they play a bad team. They win. Yeah. You know, when they go play in Boston, they go play Columbus, they lose. So, I mean, they are what they are. They're not a good team. But in this mishmash of mediocre teams, 
they're they're right in the mix, if not at the top of that mishmash. So you know they're getting better. Crawford coming back is going to be really interesting to see how that changes the dynamic at all. Yeah, it's it's the numbers. You know, his numbers are worse than Ward's this year. Yeah, like I I I don't know if this is. I mean, we don't, we don't know what Corey Crawford we're getting here. Yeah, like Crawford early in the season was like, oh, it was like he's amazing. Like we won, we couldn't make. Uh, Imagine that he came back so soon, but then he was also great. But it 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 it, it evened out a lot, and yeah, I mean even his numbers. I mean Delia's numbers have been incredible. Uh, He's Ward's come back numbers, to earth a little yeah, bit too, a little though. bit, yeah. And and Ward's Ward's been, yeah, his numbers have been a lot better than Crawford too. So I, I'm, I mean you have to send Delia down when right. Corey comes back because it's also about Delia's development too. Right. Like it's. Um, if for some other Ice Hogs get in the playoff race, then getting him starting and playing those games could be good. But I don't know if that's what's best for the Blackhawks. Again, and, and I don't know if Yoki Haru being in Rockford's best for the Blackhawks either. So. I've written that a couple times. I don't I don't understand. I mean, I understand the idea that they want him getting power play minutes and only one unit's getting power play time here, and he's not yeah. on it. I get that, but there's no way you can tell me he's not one of the three best Blackhawks defensemen right now, let alone one of the top six. Yeah. And he's in Rockford, and you are literally in a playoff race. This is a playoff race. It's not the most impressive one, but they are in a playoff but race. It's also now. telling you, I think, what Stan Bowman thinks of this team and what like the actual... If they get in, what's going to happen? What, what's the actual upside of getting in? You know, I, I think... Um, Rocky Wirtz wants those like, two home games, I guarantee you that. Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, you have Yoki Haru down there. Uh, I think I think Stan Bowman saying the Sun Times story the other day that this was eighteen to twenty four month. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I, I, story, I, yeah. that was a little bit. I mean, that was beyond what I thought. I mean, that, that's that, that's probably the reality too. But he, I mean, yeah. he hadn't said that. Before. Well, I mean, when like, I talked to him uh, in in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, it's not just about this year; it's about next year and the year after that. I mean, he's been kind of obviously this is nobody's looking at this team and thinking, okay, this is a cup contender right now. This isn't the 2012 Kings. This isn't the 2017 Predators. They're not going to get in as an eight seed and make a run. I don't yeah. think anyone's delusional enough to think that they could beat Winnipeg or Nashville or San Jose or Calgary, let alone get overcut like Tampa. I, I was like th- when I was driving in today, I was thinking, again, I don't think they're going to trade, but what would it take for the Blackhawks to be actually competitive this year? Like, what would make them... They need more scoring. I mean... I, I, again, we keep we keep talking about how they need defensive help, and they do, but they don't have the flexibility there. They can't start getting guys. I mean, if you get a defensive rental, okay, but who's out there that's really a, a, a difference-making rental on, on the blue line right now? Yeah. It's all forwards. You get a Matt Duchesne or, or, or a Mark Stone. I mean, it's again, let's preface it's not happening. They're not going to do that. That would be silly, silly to do that. You know, Artemi Panarin. But, you know, if you do something like that, it would help because... They're going to give up 35, 40 shots tonight. They need more than just Hayes and Kane and Dabrinkit and Strome. If you get a real third line, and that's what's been the difference, is they've kind of started to have a third line because Brandon Saad is producing in that yeah. role. If you have Saad, Anisimov, and like a high-end player instead of Dylan Secura, John Hayden, Brendan Perlini, that changes the complexion of this team. And all of a sudden, all right, you got Kruger at that fourth-line role. All of a sudden, you have that scoring depth that we're, they're getting toward. You need one more legitimate Antoine Vermette type score to get that top nine over the hump yeah. right now. And you know, they don't I, have it. I, I talked to Sakura this morning. I was just curious. I, I thought he had scored like the last game. Like it, looked, it was an open out of yeah, basically. I can't believe you missed and that he and he said he's watched it a hundred times and he, and he tried <laughs> to learn from it. You know, and he's like, "There's some regrets there." Uh, but he said something really interesting that he goes, um, and basically he said it was a reality check. He goes, "Maybe I'm not a top six player. Maybe I'm a top nine depth forward." You know, really? and and, and he's a pretty smart kid. And I also think that this has been. I mean, he was someone who thought he was... Kind of humbling. Uh, yeah, he, you know, coming out of camp, he thought he was going to be in this lineup, but he wasn't and went down. And, um, you know, he's been he's been okay in the AHL. He's their leading scorer and stuff, but he hasn't... He's been lighting it, it up. Right. Yeah. So I, I think some of this is... 
you know, I, I think he's also focused on other areas of the game where his line's not being on the ice because it's for as many goals. And um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves. Maybe, maybe this. He's also going to be 24 next year. He's not like a kid. Yeah. You know, he's, he turns 24 in June. That's so a, I mean, that's a picture of his brother. Too. That they is a picture a, of his brother. But that is Dylan's <laughs> um, Yeah. So no, yeah, he's not. He's not. A, yeah. He's, he's not, not like he's not like a. a he's like not a, a developmental year old right, prospect. Right. He is. This is what he is probably at this yeah. point. You know, Dylan Strom is 21. Right. He is still in theory a yeah. prospect. So I, I think there's more to give them. I mean, I think there's just parts of the game that he hasn't tapped into. Yeah, he's not going to be a zero-goal scorer right. for the rest of his life. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, I, I, that's interesting that he said that because you don't hear that from a lot of guys, that the kind of, like, honesty about, all right, well, maybe I'm not what I thought I was, right. but I could still have a role. He still yeah. he still can be an effective player. Yeah, for sure. He just, maybe he's not going to be the 30-goal scorer that we all kind of figured he could be. Yeah. The other thing I'm curious about, too, is what Stan Bowman told you this, too, and I think he's mentioned to me, he's like, this team isn't going to look like, you know, even he's like, I think how he keeps on saying is that even if we didn't make any changes, we're going to improve, and, be better, and yeah. the team's not going to be the same. I'm curious to where he makes those changes, because he's brought in some pieces that are long-term pieces, like Strom, um, and to change the roster in a lot of ways, it's it's either putting guys on waivers like Perlini, um, it, it's certainly trading defensemen um, that either have to go through waivers or or, or trading them outright, just um, you know to open up those spots because it's not exactly like you have guys becoming UFAs. You have you have Kunitz and Kruger um, and Ward, but you have Gillian stepping into a spot. Um, you yeah, know not, they not have a, a lot ton of, of roster flexibility. Right yeah, now. like I, I don't know where Perlini sits in. Uh, Kajula, I don't. I mean, I don't. Ideally, I don't think he's a top six guy, right? I mean, that's. Well, he's trying through next year. Well, I'm just saying, but I'm saying like you probably. Yeah, no, he's. If, he's, if you're looking to move guys, he probably falls. He's into not the long term solution on that top yeah. line. Yeah. I mean, Perlini's interesting. He's 22. We know he has the tools. We you can see the speed he has. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised at how unproductive he's been. Because yeah, he seems like he's a guy. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the shot. I mean, he'll be so cheap. He's an RFA. You can you can qualify him. That's so cheap. You know, it's like the Duclair thing. Like, I, I was surprised he didn't keep Duclair. Just why not try and give him another year? Perlini kind of fits that mold. But you're right. I mean, if you bring everybody back, where do you make the changes? I yeah. mean, I mean Kruger's gone. Kunitz yeah. is gone. Yeah. You know, John Hayden, he's signed through next year. Are they going to move him at this deadline? There's been a lot of talk about that. It's funny. He, I, you know, I, you, you, you've reported that he's been there many. He was also in uh, in Elliot Freeman's 31 Thoughts, and we were in um, uh, Buffalo. And I asked him, I'm like, is that like a player's worst nightmare when you pop up in 31 Thoughts? And he kind of just shrugged it off. But, yeah, you never want to be in Elliot's column because that means there's, there's legitimate smoke behind that. So, I mean, RFAs th- and defense are uh, Dahlstrom, Cuckoo. And Forsling. Cuckoo's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 you know. But the problem is that you have a lot of guys probably like him, but he doesn't upgrade your defense enough, right? I mean, Keith and Seabrook are going to be here. There's yep. no doubt about that. I'm, I doubt Murphy's being moved, right? Murphy's not. He's been pretty good, too. I don't yeah. see why you'd move him. Uh, and Gustafson, I know I, that. I've come around on Gustafson. I don't think they should I, trade I don't him. see how you can trade him. I don't but see I, I think you still need to create spots in case that one of those youngsters are ready. You or need, in case you need, that you, you go out and get defensemen. You need to be a specialist. You need him to be a third-pairing guy who quarterbacks your power play. He doesn't play 19 minutes a night because yeah. he's not good defensively. He's not getting much better. He's 26 years old. I mean, he's not a prospect yeah. either. So he is what he is, but he's so valuable with what he is, and he's so good with Kane in particular that you don't want to mess that yeah, up. Yeah. No, I, 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 I've come around with it. But that runs the question is, well, where do where does Boquist fit in? Where does Mitchell fit in? Where does Bodan fit in? Where do any of these guys fit in? Because, you know, Colleton seems to really like Dahlstrom. I mean, he's benching him tonight. He's coming off a pretty terrible game on Saturday. But he's still a young guy. Well, he's 24, but, I mean, 
experience-wise as a young guy? Is he a long-term guy? Forsling, I thought Forsling, would be, I thought Forsling would be better at this point. I he's, mean, this is three years in. Is I, the, he's young. He's 22, but he's played a lot of NHL yeah. games. He is what he is at this point. I don't think he's going to be and the guy And he hasn't stayed that, healthy a little bit. And, yeah, he's always hurt. And when he's not hurt, he's not playing great. I don't yeah. think... Like, that's a movable piece for me. I don't know if you get a fifth-round pick for him or whatever at the trade deadline. That's a guy I look at that could be moved at this yeah. deadline. There's no reason. He's, I think that's part of it, too, is that you just you need to move a few guys. And, and I'm sure if you get a draft pick grade or whatever, it just you need to move it to create... Because they also have a lot of defensemen at Rockford, and then you have you have Mitchell, probably Mitchell. You definitely have both Adam Boquist coming in. Uh, Chad Chris is probably going to sign. And then you... I mean, it's, it's just you have this plethora of defensemen. That's why I mean, yeah. Snuggeru uh, just left. And, right. Um, and there's a lot of guys. I mean, they, how many and of those Blake guys? Hillman, remember, Blake Hillman was a viable NHL guy when yeah. he came out of college last year. He wasn't great, but he, he's a viable guy. He's like, yeah, like Gilbert and Tolo. There's still Yoki Hardy who's still in this yeah. mix. I mean, right. I, I, about, I, mean I, I guess that's, yeah, we don't even. I so, mean, next year you got Keith Seabrook, Yoki Haru, Gustafson, Murphy. That's five right there that yeah. can't be moved, basically, at this point. Yeah. So, Boquist gets in there, and, you know, who's your number seven? Are you gonna ha- are you gonna bring Ian Mitchell up just to not play? They're not gonna do that with a young guy. So I don't know where you move with all these guys. They have so many third pairing guys that are youngish. Yeah. You got like, Dahlstrom, Cuckoo, Forsling. These are all the same player essentially. They're just you know they, they Dahlstrom's more defensive and Forsling's more offensive, but they're all basically the same guy. They're not top four defensemen. The, and the thing is that Dahlstrom isn't good enough defensively and Forsling isn't good enough offensively to be to like... To justify, yeah. Right. Gustafson is good enough offensively to yeah. overcome those shortcomings. Forsling's just not. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to punch on some If someone calls guys. you about Gustafson and says first-round pick, would you... I mean, if it's, are you talking a lottery pick or are you talking another number 29? It's a first-round pick. I don't, know. It, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, you have found something that is... He is as big a reason for the, the the power play taking off as anything, and that's been such a long term problem for you. Well, the other question is, do you? Because then you put what Keith back on, and Keith's terrible on the power do you, play. Do you do you do you start talking a long term deal with him? If he signed one more year, well, why not? You know, here's your prove it. Here's your prove it year. You, yeah. know, you want you want the long term? You want the five year deal worth four million a year, five million a year? Go be a seventy point game guy now. They'd be better year. off if they'd kept Jarmelson, even let Jarmelson walk away when they did. You yeah. know. Like, like the cost certainty thing is, and I like Murphy a lot. I, I think do, he's yeah. a lot better than people give him credit for, and he's been arguably for the second straight year maybe their most consistent defenseman outside of Yoki Haru. Uh, that trade's been fine, and Jomerson's having a, you know Craig Morgan called it a retro year. He's having a great year. Look at his numbers this year; they're terrific because yeah. he was not good last year in his first year in Arizona. He's Nicholas Jomerson again, which is really surprising because yeah. he's the guy that I thought. When it went down, it was going to go off a cliff because of the way he played. He wasn't going to have the gradual Duncan Keith decline. He was just going to be gone. And he's, How old is but he's he? been really good. He's, I think he's 30. 30, yeah. He's been great this year. Yeah. Like, he would look really good on this I was going through right some now. of the shutdown numbers, and he's. The Dahlstrom Murphy pairing has been used the, like, the, among the top five most. He's like 31. Extreme uh, defensive zone starts. And Jarmelson was. It was under qualifying numbers, and Jalmerson was in two of the top five, where he'd been with yeah. two different pairings that been using extremely, uh, extremely in the defensive zone, and been really good at it too. Like his numbers were much better than Dahlstrom and right. Murphy's numbers in the zone. But um, yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree. The trade. Well, that comes back to the whole thing okay. we've been talking about forever: is did they overreact to the Predators? No, series? for sure. And they yeah. did. Yeah. There's no doubt. They 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 hastened this rebuilding process by that. They could have they could have squeezed another year or two out of that. 
that Panarin would look pretty good on this team. With Panarin on this team and Jalmerson on this team, they would have been better off. Yeah. And then you could have kicked the can down the road. You'd have these great seasons by Kane and Taves would be in a much more meaningful season. And that's just a fact of life is they overreacted to the Predator series. Again, a team that was a lot better than its record suggested, and the Blackhawks weren't nearly as good as their record suggested. They were a good team, but Crawford was unbelievable. Yeah. That Kane, uh, Anisimov, Panarin line was ridiculous. And they kept scoring with like three minutes to go in yeah. games to send it to overtime. Also had points. a bounce back here. Yeah. And like that was, that team was, it was not, Smoke and Mirrors is putting it too harshly. Yeah. It was still a good That's team, good team yeah. but it, it was not a 50 It wasn't win. natural. It was not the second best team in yeah, franchise yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. And they overreacted to a really bad week against a team that turned out to be really good. Panarin put a show on here the other night. I'm, I'm, He's pretty good at hockey. I'm curious at Mark Stone tonight too, because I think those are... I've come around too, so I don't think Panarin's guy is coming here. But I, I think Mark Stone's a guy that they may try to go after uh, if he becomes available. I, 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 it, it's cool to see this year that all of a sudden everyone's on the Mark Stone bandwagon. He's so good, yeah. And like he's one of those guys. He's been playing in Ottawa. He's underrated. He's 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 not Marion Hosa, but he plays that kind of game where yeah. he's so good at all facets of the game. Yeah. And it's cool to see him finally getting that recognition. I mean, Matt Duchesne is the sexier name out there. I'd rather have, and I like Matt Duchesne a lot. But I would rather. I also have don't think that, I don't know if they're going to go after a center or not. I wonder if with Strom here, whether. Yeah, I mean, if, unless you can move an Isamov. I mean, imagine having a, a top three of uh, Taves, Duchesne, and Strom. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be pretty good down the middle. Yeah, for sure. And Camp's your fourth line center, ideally. Yeah. I, I wonder if an Isamov's easier to move after, uh, you know, in the off season where I, I think he gets a signing bonus again in July, and then his ten team list becomes, uh, you know, his no trade movement becomes a full. Uh, he, he no longer has any kind of clause in it. So. Is that right after this summer? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Starting this summer, he can be moved easily, yeah. So I wonder if that's more viable. He just doesn't fit. I mean, he's a he's a perfectly viable player in the right situation. But now that he's lost Kane and he's not getting Kane back because yeah. if Taves doesn't have him, then Strom's going to get him, he's just not a viable player on this team right now. He's just, for $4.5 million, you can't have that. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm There's a week until the trade deadline. It'll, I'm, I'm, I don't expect the Hawks to do anything interesting this trade deadline. If they make a move, it's going to be a... Gustav Forsing, a John Hayden type. But those are, again, it's all about the future for this team. So those are kind of, like, at least uh, I think for the... Well, they're people we had pegged as pieces of the future. Yeah. So it doesn't pan out. Though. Yeah, well, no, just pieces that, that opening up any roster spots, I think, for people who will be the insiders will be interesting because yeah. I think it's it's creating spaces for and whether the, they're going to yeah. pursue someone in this free agency or open up spots for defensemen. But they need to move people to create spots if they want to have their... Their future, whether it's this, still, this offseason going after someone or Boquist or whoever, it's I think they like need I have to a blind space. spot with Hayden. Like, I mean, he's, he's the same situation we're talking about with a lot of guys. He's 24. He is what he is at this point. You know, Quenville never, uh, Quenville warmed to him, but he never could keep him in the lineup. And Carlton's the same way. There's something I'm seeing something that's apparently not there because I keep looking at this guy. I'm like, like, he can skate. He's big. He can hit. He's got hands. He just. It, 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 I, I think it's a consistency factor where I think it's it's, it's at also times one of those things where he never gets the he, he plays seven minutes a night. Yeah, well, it's he, a hard role. He, like it's not. He had the he had it was sometime in like was it early December where he played like five games in the top line with Taze. Yeah. He was getting power play minutes as the net front guy. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be his chance. We're, we're going to find out for sure whether he can do this or not. He got five games. Yeah. That's not a sample no, size. Like, like he's not a guy that's going to go and beat John Leclaire somewhere else. But he's a he's everything the Hawks don't have. He's a he's the, the the combination of size and physicality. He will go and fight someone, which I know me and you aren't really big fans of, but it is it matters to these guys. You know, he's everything they don't have, and he can't seem to get a, his foot firmly in the door. Yeah. So 
I mean, he's 24 too. He he's very well could be gone within the week. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do because I think Bowman will do something. I just, I don't know. It's, it's gonna be, it's not gonna be splashy. I mean, no. they made their splashy deals. The yeah. trade. That's a big trade. Because they're also not you're gonna. Trading lottery they're, picks. they're not oh, trading for anyone picks. that they're gonna try to pursue this summer because it doesn't make sense. Like, no. there's, there's too much risk and there's, there's no. Point there's a chance this still goes south and they, they get a, a better draft pick than. Yeah, I mean, even right now they'd have like probably what seven or eight pick. I mean, that's, they got Boquist out of that. Yeah. they're very high on. That's so pretty good. Yeah. I don't think that's. Yeah, I don't think I don't that's going to be this. Because yeah, uh, Bowman, everything he said is that, and I think he's been able to convince John McDonough that this wasn't my fault, A, and then B, it's best that we now look more to the future. And, and we failed to do that the last few years where we didn't prepare enough for the future. And we, right. we, we gave that up by going for Stanley Cups, and now it's time to really commit to that. Yeah, and that means, you know, assets. Uh, roster spots. Yep. It means the boring stuff that you know fans want to see a big name come in. Yeah. But it also it, it, it sets them up for you know they're going to have cap space this summer and it sets us up. Last year they uh, there was optimism that the Hawks that they were going to have cap space and then they failed to trade Hosa's contract early enough and uh, so you eventually ended up with cap space but just way too late and it, it's done them nothing. Um, but this year the, the, they should go into the go into July with twelve to fifteen million and. Yep have a chance to do something and you know by signing Delia to a million dollars I can't believe like he what why would he sign that contract I don't know yeah Miko Koskinen just got like what four and a half I know it's Peter Chiarelli we got like four and a half million per year how does Delia sign a three year contract I would have maybe signed a one or two oh my god like hey that's a lot of money that's more money I'm gonna make in my lifetime but how would you sign that contract We've yeah. been the number one guy here for a couple of months. Yeah, and in two years he'd be the number one here permanently and making a million dollars. Like there's no, there's no viable backup in the no, league making that. I mean, oh my god, that's the best. The best that's the best contract Bowman's ever given yeah, out, yeah, ever. <laughs> you know who would look good on this team and who would make a big difference? And this has come up a lot is Marion Hosa, even at age forty. Imagine you know, in that, retrospect, that Panarin deal was pretty good at six million. Yeah, it was fine. You know, like seeing what else other people. I mean, some of these other bridge deals are longer, but it's six million. He two was year, you, two years. I mean, again, he was an older guy. He wasn't like a kid. Yeah. So you get you buy two years they of unrestricted yeah, free agency held on to that. at was, six million. Yeah. You let that play out, and if he walks, he walks. You got yeah. two more years of Artemi Panarin. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, imagine if Marion Hosa yeah. here were on the third line with Brandon Saad and Artem Anisimov. That'd yeah. be a top nine right there, wouldn't it? it could, that, at forty, maybe even a fourth line. Yeah. I mean, you just it would add well, he depth, was, you know. He was transitioning into that role of that 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 just like defensive yeah. specialist, and he was kind of embracing it, yeah. and he was still producing because he was on the power play. Uh, you just spent uh, uh, a bunch of time with him out in what Bratislava, yeah, uh, in Trenton, yeah, out in Slovakia. Um, uh, everyone who hasn't read Scott's story, go read it now. It's fantastic and uh, shed some light on the. Uh, the actual skin condition and how gruesome it kind of yeah, was. Yeah, he was he was more open than I expected. I uh, I didn't know going out there like the fact that he was, uh, you know, allowed me to come out there and do this and we you know we, we it was something in the, the works for a few months and uh, yeah the fact that you know I, I had an idea that maybe he'd open up but he he gave more details than I expected. I mean there was some private stuff about, yeah, about uh, waking up the bloody, bloody sheets, sheets and yeah. uh, you know going home and worrying about hugging your children and. Um, yeah, it was you know, and then he, he showed me a couple that he, he he obviously didn't want publicly, but he showed me a couple of the photos on his phone of the condition and how severe it was, and it uh, it, it just it's it's this red blotches all over your skin, and, and and they become really itchy, and all of a sudden it becomes more severe over the four years, and the and last year was the worst, and, and they, the medicine he they, was they recommended yeah. this uh, this uh, I guess it's like a steroid 
type of medicine, but there's a lot of potential side effects. And, uh, you know, he, I think you said, thank God that he didn't suffer any of that, but he was also fearful what these pills meant long term. And, right. and that's, uh, and then that, you said that was the ultimate was decision was that is this all worth it? Um, and I know there was a lot of a lot of skepticism when 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 he announced that he was retiring because it was the same year that his salary was dropping to mm -hmm. one million on that old school back diving contract. But you he, get the he, sense that even if he was making six million that next year, he wasn't coming back. Well, and, and regardless, he was made gonna, a lot of money. Regardless, he was still going to make the six million. You know, that's like, true. Like yeah, he's sure he's making that. he's still making the million that he's due. He's just. Um, and I asked him, I go, you know, there are people who doubt that you have this and certainly question the Blackhawks being able to put this to use now. And he goes, and I thought he was going to be really defensive about it. He's like, he's like, no, I get it. He's like, I probably would have been the same too, you know. He's like, but people don't know what I was going through. And um, and the other thing that he brought up was he goes, I just scored 20-plus goals. Like, I felt rejuvenated. Like, I was playing the best hockey in yeah, some years. And, um, I don't think I was giving it up then. And um, that's the year we kept pointing to going into this year with Jonathan Taze. That look, you can, if your numbers suggested, you can have that kind of yeah. Back. I I don't know if he sustains that, but I mean that was he was playing hockey well enough for he said that he had a lot of fun on the ice, you know. And yeah, he liked hanging around the young guys. You could tell that last year he was enjoying. Himself. Yeah, other than the things that we didn't see, and that's what I brought up too. Is like you know, the fact everyone kept this a secret. It's like amazing. It's, yeah, like it's, you're it, going it's through. It's funny. This. I remember when that diagnosis came out. Like all of us, it was like, it was like the end of like a, a usual suspect or something. All of a sudden, we're like piecing things back together. In mind. Like, oh, the maintenance days, all the morning skates he missed, all oh, the fact that you couldn't get him before a game on the road because he was doing treatment. All oh, the tre oh, my, it wasn't about his back. It was amazing. Like all these pieces coming together, everything made sense in retrospect. I mean, I remember one time with Hosa. Uh, it was again, it was in Buffalo, and you know how uh, uh, when the Blackhawks don't have a morning skate. They allow us to, you can request a player to interview like two and a half hours before the game. You get one one player just because there's no morning skate access. They have to give us some access. And I asked for Hosa because I was doing a Hosa story. And, uh, and, and Blackhawks PR actually called me at the hotel and said, do you mind if we just do it over the phone with Marion now rather than before the game? He's got a lot of stuff he's got to go through before a game. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's weird because in seven years that's never happened before. Yeah. They, they, they hate putting players on the phone in any circumstance, but they did it that way like in the early afternoon. And then that was one of those things that kind of clicked into place when I heard about the diagnosis. I'm like, wow, they kept this thing hidden for yeah, so long. That's... Either I'm a really bad reporter or they're really good <laughs> at keeping secrets. Uh, it's, it's amazing to leak through any other way, you know, like – yeah, certainly the coaching staff knew, but all the players. And of course, did, it was thirty-one thoughts were happening. Yeah, yeah, that was the, that was a hell of a. Hell <laughs> Late of, at night, I remember I was just about to go hell to bed. Hell of a scoop, too. yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Elliot. <laughs> um, so what else you get out of your trip out there? It, it was funny just being entrenched and like you don't like the fact I went there in fifteen for the cup. And a celebration. You stay at this hotel. It's like underneath the castle in Trenchin, like 13th century castle. And you never think you'll, you'll be back there again, right. you know? And the fact that I was back in Trenchin was really strange. And I stayed at the same hotel. Um, it was a quick trip. I was only in Europe for four days. But I, I got in, met with Hosa that night. Uh, met with Hosa at his house the next day. He, he's got this lovely house that looks over Trenchin. I love the garage, the skyline. Oh, the yeah, garage, yeah, that, got, the Chicago skyline. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then that night I, I was going to fly out to fly Bratislava's uh, where I flew into, and then it's an hour drive to Trenchin. And then uh, so that night I drove back to Bratislava because I had to flew out the ne fly out the next morning. And I uh, it, uh, the Bratislava team, uh, uh, what's it called, Slavin, um, the KHL team was ended up playing uh, Seska, which had Max Shaluna. Max Shaluna! So, so, so I went to go see him play and talk. Well, I, I guess we sort of talked. I will bet any amount of money that Max Shalunov never sees the United Center Ice. Yeah, no. You guys never come. It's possible. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, For him, it's. I, I think he's making some money now, so in, in a year time, maybe it's 
it's less of a risk, you know, give it a try. If not, you go back to the KHL and you keep making money. Make money something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Know. I guess it'll be some will be on the Blackhawks too. Whether there's a spot for because I don't think he's coming over for tryout. You know, like it's either right. you have a spot for him or not. And then uh, Aer Lingus is the cheapest airline. You too. just wanted to go to Ireland. Don't don't lie to anybody. No, it's, it's it also helps every time it. you go anywhere, you say you fly from here to Denver and you fly through Aer Lingus <laughs> through Dublin. Let's be honest. It does help. The Aer Lingus <laughs> is cheap, but I threw I flew through Dublin, and then to uh, to extend my trip and to have a few pints, I was able to couple in uh, a trip to Belfast to go see the Belfast Giants, and I met with Kyle Bond and uh, Jim Vandermeer, who was uh, who got traded from the Blackhawks right before they got good. So he played with Keith and Seabrook here, and then right. I think he got traded for Eager. Um, so I talked to those two guys in Belfast, and I'll write a story for this week, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it was you know three stories in four days, and obviously the the priority was Hosa and. Um, it, it was it was a fun trip, and but the funny thing is, while I'm gone, like the Blackhawks are the most relevant. They've yeah, been you picked so. the worst week to leave. I mean, when you when you planned this trip, the Hawks were like in just purgatory a lot of and sense, just terrible, yeah. and all. Oh, get me out of here. And we're we're both talking like, what are we gonna write about in February and March? Yeah. And now it's funny because now you and I are both backlogged on all these kind of like off the beaten path stories, <laughs> and we can't run any of them because we keep having to write about the games because the games are relevant again. None of us saw this coming. Yeah. Well, I, I, at least I, I felt like at least I went to the Edmonton game before the trip, right? It was sort of like inching towards this but it, it's it's blowing up to where uh, it's been an interesting week it's it, it's it's been it's you know what's cool and, and i've been saying this a lot this season is the energy in the united center this season the worst season they've had in a long time has been really good and better than it's been in the past because and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you can get in the building now because yeah. cheap tickets are so cheap on the secondary market you're getting like these real fans that have been wanting to see a game forever now and there's a different energy in the building. During this winning streak particularly, like, it was crazy in here. It was like as loud as a playoff game because you don't have that corporate crowd so much. Everyone's just pawning off their tickets on, on people who've been dying to get you in here for a You also had a lot decade. of people who gave up great. season tickets this year that the newcomers, even though, like, it was expensive, they're, like, in this team's not doing well, we're going to jump on them because right. we've been sitting on this waiting list for so long. It's, it, it's, it's like, it, you know, you always, the thing about the United States, and you get this in Toronto a lot, you get this in a lot of the big cities and the, and the good program programs, good franchises, you get those corporate crowds, those Super Bowl crowds, where everyone's there, isn't really, you know, they're all rich people, and they're just sitting on their hands, and they're just there, they're, they're there to socialize and make clients and stuff. It's been, like, this much more kind of, like, ragtag crowd this year, and it's been fun. It's been, like... The energy during that streak, I mean, I know you missed some of those games, but you were there for some of it. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah, like, it's sure. been really fun in the building, and I never thought that at the end, toward the end of the season there'd be anything fun at all happening yeah. with this team. So, you know, I don't root for the Blackhawks one way or the other, right, right. but it's certainly more interesting to cover a team that's no, in definitely. the mix than it is. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And, and, and you, we can tell by the readership that people are more engaged now than they were in December. There's nothing bad that comes from it. I know that it's the worst-case scenario if this team finishes in ninth or 10th place and you wind up with the ninth or 10th pick. You don't get the playoffs, and you don't get the top three pick. I get that, but there's going to be a long-term value in all this. For the players, there's a reward for fans that have stuck around. There's this, Playing meaningful hockey in February and March is going to be worth it. If you're not getting Jack Hughes or Kako Kapo, then it's 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 crapshoot after those yeah. guys. And it was something, you know, I, it, was, I, I, it was Bowman's job to... To cut this team off of the legs if you wanted to, you know, like, and it's the players' job in Colleton. You know, Colleton is the first year coach, and they're pushing to win, and and certainly, I mean, no one saw this coming out of Kane either. I mean, Kane's put this oh, team on his, ridiculous. you know, on his, on his, on his back. And, He's averaging more than two and the points goalie, a game the goal, for more I mean, than two months. It's now. not like they're playing great; they're just it's, it's one. Cam Ward's been phenomenal. The this power play's been amazing. Kane and then the Ward and Delia. It's, uh, this team on paper shouldn't be winning games, you know, like they, yeah, I, yeah. So even even if Bowman had 
traded pieces. I don't know if it changes because it's not really those pieces that have necessarily helping this team win right now. I asked for a few questions yep. online when we started this. So here's one from Pete B. Taves has made an impressive bounce back this year versus the last two. Given how he injured his back, question mark, two years ago, did it take that long for the power to return from that injury, or was it only a change in his diet and training? I think it was, I think the tra- I think I don't think he trained like he did this past off season before. Yeah, he's more interested in. He wanted to get, you know, he had that year where he wanted to get lighter and faster, and then he realized that didn't work because his game just. I mean, it's a faster league, but he still needs to play heavy. He yeah. plays that grind. It's like Crosby. He plays like he's like a grinder out there. He's yeah. a skilled guy who grinds. But you know what's interesting? If you really look at it, Tate's numbers are worse this year than last year. He's just scoring. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's fascinating to look at. Like, you know, everyone talked about how, how what down year he had last year. He was great last year. He just couldn't score. He was on, him and Saad had that snake bit thing. And now you look at his underlying numbers, and they're, they're significantly worse than they are last year. But he's producing, and everybody's willing to look past it. Well, it's also playing with Kane is that usually your underlying numbers aren't. Kane's defensive numbers this yeah. year, I mean, it's funny. I mean, he is having this phenomenal season. He's legitimate. He, he is Taylor Hall, Nathan McKinnon last year. Where if this yeah. team gets in the playoffs, he's got to be the MVP. Yeah. But this is the worst defensive season of his career yeah. by far because he's just like, screw it. I'm just going to score a bunch of goals, and that's how we're going to win, and it's working. Well, this, when Strom came over in that line, like that line ended up being on the ice for like six goals against like in the first yeah. two games. Yeah, like There's yeah. guys like, even now, like Strom's num- underlying numbers aren't uh, necessarily great. And, well, I forgot well, what game was it uh, last week or whatever it was where uh, Kane got the big goal. He was just basically cherry-picking, like hanging on the opposing blue line. Like, oh, there's the puck. Taves just flips it out there. There, there, goal. I mean, hey, if it works, it works, and it's working. It, it, it's the power play. It just the, the difference of being able to produce a point for Kane with a power play. It's mm-hmm. just, I think he has 30 points in the power play now, and that was... I mean, it was so bad early in the season. Like, it was just when he went out there, like, it was just a bad thing. And now they, they expect to produce almost time every time they're out there. And you know, they had two power play goals game last game. And what other, uh, what other questions we got? Uh, Taco Cat asks, is there one logical reason that Yoki Haru is not in the NHL? And there is. I don't necessarily agree that it should be the overarching reason. But, yeah, they want him playing. Jeremy Colleton, for whatever reason, was not playing him major minutes. He was playing them. 13, 14 minutes a night. He wasn't on either of the power play units. And they he's this is a developmental year for him. He's 19. When they sent him down, it was before all this took off. Uh, you know, we, we talk about how Quenville was playing him 20 minutes a night. He also didn't have Murphy. He didn't have Dahlstrom. I get all that. But you can't tell me that even when Yoki Haru was backsliding a little bit, and he had a little bit of it, he, that, that's natural for a teenage defenseman. Yeah. You know, Charlie McAvoy is not the same player this year that he was last year. I get all that. But you can't tell me he's not one of the three best defensemen on this team. It's Keith, it's him, it's Murphy right now. And yeah. he should be up here. No, it's – and the reason – I mean, they're giving him 20-plus minutes and they're playing in all situations. So I, I guess if if you're prioritizing that and if Colleton's not going to play him that way, then, yeah, then you should have him down there because – I mean, you should probably be in those situations up here, but they're not going to put him on the top power play unit, and the second unit barely sees the ice. So, I think all those things are beneficial because if a year from now, if if Gustafson's on the top unit and Yoki Haru is on your second one, or depending on where Boquist right. is, but you need you need Yoki Haru to be able to step into key roles. And, Absolutely. And, um, he's producing. I, I think what, he's what's important over these next, this, the rest of this season and next season is transitioning Keith and Seabrook off those special teams unit. Yeah. You don't want Dun- you don't want Brent Seabrook killing penalties, and you don't want Duncan Keith on the power play. Yeah, it's problematic when they do that. They shouldn't have to do that, and that's a way to conserve their minutes and to put younger guys in bigger roles. That's the transition. It's going to be Boquist. It's going to be Yoki- I, I can see Yoki Haru as a penalty killer. Murphy's getting more ki- penalty killing minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what has to happen 
Uh, you need to get the veterans off the special team units. And Seabr Seabrook's big shot is always going to be valuable on the power back. I got no problem with him being on PP2. But uh, the, the long term here is getting these guys fewer minutes. And the quickest way to do that is to get them off special teams. Yeah. Hawksfan314 says, Do you believe that Duncan Keith at this point in his career can be on a good team with Gus? I think he meant... Yeah, I guess. Okay. Well, or are they both third pairing? Well, yeah. Or are they both third pairing bum slayers on a good team? I love the term bum slayer, by the way. I don't think Keith's as bad as some people are no. naked out. He's to not. What he, he's not. He's not twenty fifteen Duncan Keith, and he's never no. going to be again. No, I, I don't think he he can be your best defenseman to win right now. But he can be he's one of your top, top four, four defensemen. Defenseman. Yeah, like I. I people, people people grade him on the curve. I feel like, oh, he's yeah. not Duncan Keith anymore. Therefore, he sucks. That's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. This thing's gradual. Yeah, I, I think Keith can be on a successful team. It just you need to have other. I guess the question is, can you have Keith and Gustafson on the same team? And still be yeah, I, I mean, if, I think Gustafson has to be on that third pairing. Like you just, he just, he's too much liability. Right, he's got to be a specialist who's sheltered, who's put in favorable matchups. He's out there with the cane. He's line. a Nick Letty with more power play ice time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, 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 he's not. He, he, you can't have Eric Gustafson being a twenty-two minute no, night. No. And that's why Seabrook is playing that right now. In my mind, that should be Yoki Haru, but that's a bad that discussion. Yeah. Uh, someone asking about uh, mass transit in a small town with a centralized population. Okay, Casey. Uh, I'm still alive. Can we trade for Duchesne, sign Panarin and Carlson, and we're back on top, baby? Totally. Just do it. Just get it right there. Screw all these guys. Trade all the prospects, all the draft picks. Try to win one more time. I wrote that story about DeBrincat's next contract. I wonder how much this has to play. Like, I, I think this summer they're going to go after someone legit. But then you start... You well, they were so gun-shy about Schmaltz's next contract. I think there was concerns about Schmaltz as a player. I don't. I don't think with Debrinket, like like Schmaltz, like we were even questioning when he was still here. No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they, they they were hoarding money because they were worried about Schmaltz's second yeah. contract. So with Debrinket, you got to be really concerned because yeah. he's proven at this point. Yeah. And then Strom's up next summer too, and if he's at this pace next season, then you you're paying off him too. You next know? next summer, not this. Yeah, same same summer. No, the same as Debrinket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I'm I'm just saying a year from now, I wonder because you can't go spending. Twenty million on two guys this next summer. Right, and that's that's why they said that that's that's the excuse for. I also wonder if if summer. the Blackhawks would ever pay someone more than Cannon Taves while they're on the team. Oh, I think they'd have to. I don't think they have a problem with that. Yeah, that's that's life, man. You sign an eight-year contract, things you, yeah. there's, there's inflation. That yeah, goes up. no, for I, sure. I don't think I. I, I, think, I think the Brinkett's next deal is going to fall between seven and eight. I wonder if Strom's. Five yeah, I mean, the Brinkett's not the. He's not a super duper star like Kane is, and he's not the. Two-way player that Taves is, so you don't have to pay him that much. Yeah. Also, let's not forget. But seven eight's not whatever uh, the yeah. the Matthew the Austin Matthews. But it's also gonna, I mean to bring us the second contract will be more than Cannon Taves' second contract. Yes, well that's what I'm talking about though. Is like you know it, the trend was going towards these eight-year max deals for the second-year contracts. I'm curious to see what Austin Matthews taking the five-year deal, doing what Cannon Taves did basically. If that's going to open the door back to smaller second to more bridge deals, yeah. and the the big payday comes when you're 24, 25, 26, because you know. McDavid, God, he's got to be regretting taking that eight-year deal, doesn't he? Yeah. He's getting a lot of money, but he didn't, you know. That I, was, I wish, that was I wish the NHL had some more players like the NBA just doing, like, if I'm Panarin right now, go sign somewhere for $15 million and yeah. go, go give it a try yeah. with someone, you know? Like, come to Chicago for a year and play for $15 million, or go, uh, I, I wouldn't come to Chicago probably next season, but go go 
go wherever you want. Yeah, go somewhere just that's be more mercenary about it. Yeah, like These I, guys just want. The, I, I always you I, want that stability. I love the Greg Wyshynski theory that hockey players just don't like moving their shit. So wherever their <laughs> shit is, that's where they're gonna stay. I love that theory because it's so true. These guys get so set in their ways that the idea of like doing what LeBron did, which is going from Cleveland to Miami to Cleveland to LA, they can't fathom moving around that much. I have my shit, I'm gonna stay. Like why is they keep talking about how Matthew Shane loves being in Ottawa? What the hell is he thinking? This team is a decade away from contention, yeah. it feels like. Why would you come back and sign? There's a possibility he resigns in Ottawa. Yeah. That would never happen in the end. If you love Ottawa, too, I'd be like, trade me, and then I'll sign back with you in the offseason. Yeah, let me actually... go chase something right now. Well, no, no. Le- le- why don't you get an asset? To get a, get a first-round yeah. pick, and I'll, then I'll come back and resign with you. Yeah, and then we can, yeah. we can be better in the future. There's, there's nothing like that in the NBA. Like, the NBA is just batshit crazy. Yeah. And, like, it terrifies me, the idea of having to cover that and the exceptions and the, all the weird quirks of all these trades and the, the, the salary cap. But it's entertaining as hell. The NBA is so much more entertaining off the court than any other sport is on the field. It's amazing. Plus, like, Kevin Durant calling out a reporter and stuff. All that stuff's great. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a soap opera every single day. The hockey, hockey's the complete opposite of that. There, there was no doubt that Connor McDavid was going to sign an eight-year max contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's no drama there. There's none of that. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, well, Sandra Murray wants to know uh, what happened with Brian Hedger. Did you must? Did I muscle him out? Scott teased us one with Hedge, bait and switch. Uh, I actually want both pods. I'm greedy that way. Scott took out his pod uh, mic to go to Europe, and then when I came back, I forgot to put it in. So man, you write, you go Europe one time and write one big blowout story, and all of a sudden you're referring yourself in the third person. You're getting cocky, kid. Didn't, I, I was just following the, the way that you were talking. Um, <laughs> so oh, I, it's, it's my fault. So I, uh, I was uh, carrying around. I, I did, by the way, the, there hasn't been any enough publicity about this, but the photos, a lot of the photos in the story were mine. The photographer in Slovakia fell through, so I. Oh, brought, you were actually I have a photographer. I brought, with you? I brought my digital camera with me, and, and that's part of it. John Greenberg has been tweeting out your 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 famous Tavo Teravainen photo. Like I told I told I told Table be be like a tiger and that was his pose. So <laughs> that's my favorite photo ever. He's standing behind some like random stop sign. Like uh, the funny okay. part, we went to a restaurant. This is the most Table photo. We ever. went to the restaurant and like we came outside. And I go, do you mind if I get a picture of you? And and that was what that was we had handy. I think it was a phone photo and. You're a double. You're a triple threat, man. Podcaster, writer, and photojournalist. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I do a few of those well though. I can't uh, even figure out how to do a remote podcast, though. Here, here's a self-serving question from Pete B. Uh, he loved my book, If These Walls Could Talk, Chicago Blackhawks. I'd wish you go buy it. Uh, he said, the personal behind-the-scenes looks were very cool. Are players, coaches, and staff more accessible or open if they know it's for a book versus your daily beat questions? And I absolutely noticed that. Yeah. Um, now, the biggest thing was... I, wonder, I, I always wondered whether it was hard because you did a lot of the reporting during the season, whether some of it would have been... I know it was just it was part of it was just the logistics and the timeline, but I was wondering how open those guys were. Like, because you did lengthy interviews, and it, it seemed it'd be more difficult during the season, but it seemed it like it also worked. It was to a degree, but what I noticed, and the biggest thing was, former Blackhawks are much more talkative than current Blackhawks, uh, especially retired Blackhawks. Yeah. But even guys like Andrew Ladd and Troy Brower, uh, you know, Colin Frazier, they were still in the league. They were great because I, I think there's you know the the, the Blackhawks are. You know they're a very stodgy organization. They're very, um, you know, they're very corporate run, and they're very concerned with these things. And that's fine. That it's it's working for them. They make more money than anybody, so they're doing great. But uh, players, and you and I have talked about this. This team now, this is one of the best rooms we've had to cover in terms of just loose guys that are guys like Strom and Kajula and Dahlstrom and Murphy, uh, Ward, Delia. This is a great room. 
where you can walk in, you know, I'm doing all these silly offbeat stories, and these guys will go for a walk with me on these stories where that wouldn't always happen with with the more veteran laden teams of the past. Yeah. But with the book, I definitely noticed that when you when you call someone like I called Patrick Sharp, he was in Dallas at the time, and I, I, I you know I know Sharp well, we covered him for years. Uh, but he was great. We're on the phone for like an hour, and he's telling me all these things that I just feel like he wouldn't have told me if he were still yeah. on the Blackhawks at the time. So uh, it, I, I think the book aspect, people were more willing. Also, I was asking them about things that had happened seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, where it's different. You know, when, when I talked to Kane and Taves for the book and, and, and Seabrook and Keith and all those guys that were still on the team, uh, first of all, I had less time with them just because I was using my normal access, basically. I wasn't getting like, special access for those guys. But... Um, when we talked about the old times, everybody kind of loosened up a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's like you know, you're just like hanging out with your buddies telling stories. And I bet um, you once they're done, too, like all those be Oh, there'll be some good stuff. You they'll probably be, do like a follow-up. There'll be, there'll be a, yeah, when, when Taze and Kane are done, there'll be some stories to tell, I yeah. think. But, uh, yeah, the guys are definitely looser with the book, I think, because you're talking about old news, ancient history. You know, when you, the, the, the closer I got to the modern era, the and if you read the book, you could see that, that I had a lot less on the last couple of years than I did in the first couple of years. I think next year will be a big year for the book, too, with uh, being the 10-year anniversary and something you could probably push. Anything, any, I, anything I can push to Hawks and Books. Uh, uh, I got kids to put to college, so. Uh, we should do, uh, we should do an excerpt for the athletic next year. Yeah. Because you weren't allowed to do one last time. I don't know if I wasn't allowed no. or not, or if I thought it was weird because I wasn't working for you guys. Or no, something. you. Because I told I, no, I don't even remember. I because I asked you like I will. Because I did run an excerpt in the Sun Times, which was cool. That they let me do that. I think it had more to do with your sports editor and, and not being the fan of. The yeah, athletic. well, yeah, yeah. There's some of that I think, but because well, I, I, I I'd asked you about running it and and and, and, you, and you said yeah, I don't think uh, Chris would be comfortable. I was with a little that. awkward about that. Yeah. But you know, maybe, we should, well, next maybe around year, Father's Day this year. That's when I. That's when they said they say the books sell on Father's Day and Christmas. That's nice. when these books sell. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, one more for you from John Ross. Which of Forsling, Dahlstrom, Cuckoo do you think has the best chance of sticking around? I think it's the hardest. Whoever it's going to be the hardest to trade. I think I think there's a chance for Cuckoo doesn't get resigned if. Uh, if that's uh, if that's just a way to open up a roster spot. Yeah. Because they like him and he's been he had a really good couple good couple of games. But yeah. again, he's just is he more than just a guy? Yeah. And you have to get rid of somebody. Why did Tampa make that trade? I, I don't. Like Brandon Manning's on waivers, by the way, today. Yeah. yeah. Peter Chiarelli, savior of the Chicago. You know, Lions. when we met with, uh, when I was in Edmonton, he talked to a couple of us, and he was really, like, he has a great mentality about this stuff. You know, he's like, I'm playing hockey. You know, I was never, you know, I, I never thought I'd be in the NHL, and right. like all this stuff where it's like, yeah, this this sucks, but it could be worse. You I know? talked to him right before the trade. And I basically asked him, I mean, do you want to be traded? He was crazy. Look, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to run to my agent when things go bad. But uh, he was great about it. He was he's a good guy. He just was not was playing very poorly. And didn't yeah, yeah, it's, it's, but it's amazing. Like, someone gives you the contract and you get paid. And, and if you invest properly, like, he's set for life, you yeah. know? Like, it's, uh, it's a couple All right, snowblowers on the ice. I think that's our signal Yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah. go read Scott's story. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll try to do these more often as we always see at the end this of the This is the first podcasts. time I've seen you in like four <laughs> weeks. That's the problem. <laughs> and then you take off for. Uh, yeah, I got West a lot Coast of travel League. coming up. We got yeah. the Detroit game tomorrow. I can leave for tomorrow, and then we got the West Coast. I feel like this up. is your big stretch, and then I got a big stretch in March. And yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll see you in a few, a few hours. Yeah, so, a few hours too. So. <laughs> All right, for Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is the LP Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.